All right, it's 8.30, and as usual, we like to start on uh, start on time here. So I am Cookie, and I want to welcome everyone here to New Wine, New Wineskins on Clubhouse, where we seek to build relational bridges through Jesus by engaging relevant subjects. Just for our own edification, we have previously defined Trinitarian theology, among other things, as being the relationship of self-giving, other-focused love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one to the other from before the beginning and to us in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have a Trinitarian theology as a core life value, that Trinitarian love that we talk about should be pouring out of us into the other. Last week, we talked about relationship building in Jesus through shared faith experiences. Specifically, what had we all found helpful in this? Today, it's the other side of the coin in terms of what hinders you from voicing your shared faith experiences. We're going to miss Cliff and Trudy this morning who can't be with us. Yet, for all of us, we are excited to see where today's dialogue takes us. Before we get going though, Robert, would you open us in prayer? Yes, I, um, I am honored to do that. Heavenly Father, this is our prayer that we would, um, in our gathering today, as we come together individually and collectively, um, that we be present, fully present, Lord, in this relevant discussion that our hope is that it yields a continual building of relational bridges among ourselves. We offer our participation. We offer our voice, our voices. We offer uh, our connection to you, Lord, and to each other. And now we ask for your anointing and for your blessing on this time together. And may it honor and bless you in Jesus' name, amen. And I yield to Kayla for our guidelines. Thank you. Uh, most of us here are, are pretty uh, regular, so we all know our guidelines. Uh, we like to listen and engage in dialogue with a posture of humility. Um, we hold Jesus as our core, so we like to do what he does and uh, love and respect each other. Um, that being said, in order to talk, you can hit the little hand at the bottom uh, right corner of your screen and be brought on stage to speak. Uh, try to keep it succinct to be respectful of each other's time. And uh, just be mindful this, this room is being recorded. Clubhouse isn't a secure platform internationally. And uh, the hallway, or we have a little chat Thing that takes us out into the hallway. So we might not monitor that as closely, but we'll try our best. Um, so just be mindful of that. Thank you for joining today. And I'm excited to dive into the dialogue. And with that, I will yield the mic. Okay. 
Okay, Matt, why don't you yep. get us started? Awesome. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you so much for uh, all who are joining us, as uh, others have um, already indicated. Uh, last week, we were talking about, uh, as uh, Cookie opened us up, um, what have we found f helpful in building bridges? And we talk about relational bridges, and you'll hear that language kind of um, quite a bit with uh, New Wine, New Wine Skins here on Clubhouse, New Wine, New Wine Skins. Institute for Cultural Engagement is what New Wine, New Wine Skins is about. Uh, and it's building relational bridges in contemporary culture through Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? Well, that looks like the truth of who we are as uh, creatures created in the image. You also, we'll talk about, and we'll, we'll, we'll say this a lot, of this Imago Dei. And that's just uh, the uh, comes from the Greek and the Latin from uh, image, imago, and day meaning God. That's the Latin for God. And so when we talk about relational truth, we talk about this because of creation, that the human is created in the relationship of a God who Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity has related to one another. Uh, three distinct yet inseparably linked persons, being, one being, three persons. And so we talk about this relational truth. Why? Because it's the core of who we believe, we meaning <clears throat> New Wine, New Wineskins, believes the human is. And so when we talk about hindrances or we talk about uh, uh, encouragements towards relationship, relational building, um, we have to keep God in mind because it's God who stands uh, before us and calls out to followers. And again, uh, being very specific here that uh, when I'm talking about, uh, about hindrances for the person, there will be some general hindrances such as our dislikes um, and our preconceived notions of a person group or a people group. Uh, and those things are general, but specifically for the Christian, the follower of Christ, the things that hinder us go deep into the core of who we are because we have an adversary, one named Satan, who continues to push into each one of us, not wanting us to seek to build relational bridges. And so then, things such as uh, equality, gender, sexuality, race, these kind of things, uh, uh, societal issues become more core to the person uh, uh, following Christ uh, than the actual presence of who Jesus is. And so just being mindful of this. And so this morning, as we talk about hindrances, for me personally, the things that I uh, need to focus on are those um, aspects of life that turn me away from Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that, and it sounds super spiritual, and it is, what has happened in today's culture, and one of the things that hinders me is this simple need to fit in. My fear of being ostracized or separated from the group for the sake of something I believe or what I do. And as a follower of Christ, and this sounds, I know this might sound crazy to some, but one of the things that gets, is the biggest hindrance in my life is this call to love. Love my neighbor as myself. The as myself thing is seemingly uh, uh, um, should be easy because I know what I need. The hardest part for me is when I seek to elevate and love the other in front of me, that Jesus calls me to love them 
regardless of what they've done, who they are, uh, uh, how they've hurt me, how they've helped me. He says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is never a distinguishing fact in my life of where I don't love myself. And I am so easy to put myself in the middle. And so one of the hindrances that I personally have is my own preferences because I have to be honest with myself that I like what I like um, and I like things of the world. Um, and so then we get into classifications as to, oh my gosh, you know, what's good and what's bad. And Christ stands before me and says, uh, all things are good, you know, uh, when used and when seen in the proper context. And so again, for me, um, I have to admit right straight away, and this is a hard thing, is that one of my deepest hindrances is me. G.K. Chesterton, uh, years ago, uh, when the New York Times um, wrote, what is the problem with today? His simple response was, I am, sirs. Sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. And that sounds like, oh, that's a wash over and it's an easy statement to say. It's easy to just say, well, I'm the problem, and then just go on that. But when I say that, in, in all honesty, because we sit in a group like this and we talk through some of the things, our blind spots, when we do it in community, then you're able to say, Matt, see, here, here, and here, these acts are loving, but then here, when you say this, and, uh, and when, you, when you did this, and, and the hindrances is a lot of times, my, I might not even know that something is offensive. And when I don't have people around me in community who love Jesus and then love me, then I'm not able to grow. And so again, another one of my hindrances is who do I surround myself with? Do I surround myself with people who actually are for the sake of the betterment of humanity. And that doesn't have to mean that they are a Christian. It means that they see the one in front of them and come from, we can come from different backgrounds. And so when we talk about relational truth and I talk about relational truth, I'm talking about the core of who I am and I have to wrestle with that on a daily basis because again, the hindrances that I have are self-created. I can project them onto each one of you and say, the reason why I don't love you is because you've done this, or the reason why I don't love uh, these people is because of this, this, and this, but that's a, uh, a deflection. The fact is, is that when I choose not to understand you, I'm making that decision. I'm the one responsible for my choices. Uh, and my choice, because I uh, have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, is, is to gather up and to, to accept that choice, but I choose to be pro-life on all aspects. So I'm pro-choice and pro-life. And in the midst of everything going on in today's culture, the problem is, is we don't have enough Christians, in my estimation, who are pro-choice and pro-life because of the hindrances in which we place in front of us, which are self-created. And I could go on further, uh, but again, the main thing.
think we lost Matt. Matt? Yeah, I've lost him too. Well, bummer, he was on a roll. <laughs> why don't we go to Jim? Yeah, I think that that's what I was going to say. Jim, why don't we go to you and Matt will come back and we can pick up with him in a while. I think it's Mike. Just I think he is. Me. Yeah, we got to let Matt finish his are you back, Matt? Are you back, Matt? Matt. Earth to Matt. Doesn't appear. Something's obviously wrong with his uh, internet. Or so, Jim. Why don't you speak, and then you know if Matt comes back, he's more than welcome. <laughs> Ironically, he's the most intelligent techie we have among us, and he's like <laughs> out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, wow, Matt, you really set this up really, really good. A lot of things. That's what I appreciate. Just a lot of ways to go. But I think you know, I want to talk about. Um, you know, the hindrances you've talked about, um, hindrances from shared experiences. And then you talked about um, the neighbor or the, um, you know, the, this idea of neighbor. But when we look at the parable, I mean, Jesus gives us, clarifies what, what who our neighbors are. Um, you know, the story of the uh, the guy was beaten, left on the roadside, the sidewalk. And and um, whether it be a pastor, a rabbi, a Bible study teacher, um, a fire chief, <laughs> They, they come upon, they, they see the stranger in the distance, and then they cross over, and then they go around him. Um, it happens several times, uh, and, and they're the same um, same culture. You know, I mean, this and this person, they, they might have even gone to the same church. Chances are they went to the same church with this individual. But then you have a Samaritan who's the outsider, who to the Jews is, is somebody very disgusting, but he... He um he doesn't go to the other side of the road. He he walks up to this individual and he takes care of him, pays his bills, makes sure that he's healed, and all these things. And it um and I think what the parable, if anything, is just trying to explain. I think who our neighbors are, and our neighbors are the ones that aren't like us. Um, our neighbors are the people that don't believe the same things we do. Our neighbors are those people. Um, that don't eat the same foods that we eat, don't dress the same way we do, don't speak the same languages that we do. And so, you know, those are our neighbors and we're, we're, we're called to love our neighbors. And I think, like Matt says, one of the things that allows us to love our neighbors, those neighbors, those people that aren't like us, those strangers that aren't like us, uh, is the fact that we are all created in the image of God and we need to see the image of God um, in those people in order, I think, to, to build those bridges. Um, but that's a great question. What you know? What prevents us from build, building those bridges? What what prevents us from from being the person instead of crossing the street, walk up and then make that connection to that person? Um, years ago, I was a young life leader, and I was we were driving around. And I told I had four guys in my car. I said, "Hey, I heard there's a really big mansion up on the hill. I lived. At, this was in Salem." And so I said, you guys want to see the mansion? And so I said, they said, okay. And so we drive up to this mansion and it's kind of, it was lit up, beautiful, beautiful place. And so I said, hey, let's look in the windows and see what it looks like. And so the guys are kind of hesitant. They're like, no, nah, I don't think this is a good idea. I said, let's just look in the windows. So we looked in the windows and I was kind of ooing and on because it was just, like I said, it was just this beautiful house. In fact, it was a mansion. And I, and I said, let's, let's just see if the door's unlocked. <laughs> and so I walked over and I, 
I pushed the, I pushed the lockdown and, and the door was unlocked. And so I, I kind of opened the door and I kind of poked my head in it. And I told these guys, I said, you guys, this is really cool. You got to see this. This is amazing. And they're like terrified. They're just like, can we just please leave? And I said, just let's just look inside really quick. And I promise we'll leave. So we looked inside, kind of, you know, stepped inside and started walking through this house. And they're just, just terrified. So I said, hey, look, a basement. Let's go see what's in the basement. And so we go down to the basement and they're, um, you know, just again, like I said, I mean, just they just wanted to get out of there. Didn't know what was going on. So we go downstairs and there's a pool table. So I said, let's play one game of pool. And I promise as soon as we're done playing pool, we can we can leave. And so um, we're shooting pool and all of a sudden we can hear steps coming down or footsteps coming down the stairs. And uh, these guys were terrified. One guy hid. There was a closet in the room. He hid in the closet. Um, two of them hid underneath a pool table. And one just stood there frozen. I mean, it was like he thought he was hiding behind the pool cue. And, um, and all of a sudden, this image appears to us um, in the doorway, uh, this lady. And she goes, oh, oh, it's you, Jim. How are you today? Um, uh, it's good to see you. And so... Um, the woman was a woman by the name of um, Gwen Barrett, and um, and we used to have Young Life in her house. Um, and she told us, she told all the Young Life leaders, if, if our house was ever unlocked, we were welcome to come in. Um, ironically, the house that we were in is now the governor's mansion in Salem, is what the governor's mansion is in Salem. Um, but the point of the story, I guess, the point of my story is that um, I had permission, right? We have, I had permission these guys were like freaking out. They didn't, they didn't understand what was going on, but, but um, because I had permission to go in, they had permission to go in as well. And I think when it comes to maybe building bridges, um, when it comes to sitting with our neighbors, sitting with people that aren't like us, um, sitting with people of color, um, sitting with the prostitutes, sitting with the sinners, the tax collectors, whoever those people may be, I think the, 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 what allows us, and although we're fearful of it, but our courage is found in that Jesus has given us permission to connect with, with, with other people, with our neighbors. He, he taught us how to connect um, at the table um, throughout his ministry. I mean, his disciples, they, you know, and, and those around him couldn't believe that Jesus was connecting with these people. And so I think it's important. I mean, I think it's important that we love our neighbors. I, I, it, it, we have permission. <laughs> we have permission to build these bridges. Um, we also have an, an example that Jesus gives us as building bridges. Um, but I think most of all is that it's a command um, to love our neighbors um, as ourselves. And I think when we start to love our neighbors, when we start to love or more able to love those that aren't like us, I think one, we kind of see the, the bigness of God, the breadth, the beauty, the mystery, the wonder of God. But also I think we're able to love ourselves more, able to love ourselves more. And so um, I guess my thought just to kind of, leaving is that, you know, when it comes to that person that's laying on the streets, um, what was it that caused that one Samaritan to go up um, and take care of him? And like Matt says, we have all these, you know, what are people going to think and all those kind of things. But what, you know, what was it that that Samaritan, what, what can we learn from that Samaritan about the courage to go up and, and to connect and just to share, um, not only share the love of God, the love of Jesus, but also to see the love of God and the love of Jesus in the other. So, um, yeah. So I, um, I turned my mic over to Matt, the most qualified technician we have in our group. <laughs> ah, thank you very much. I cut myself out there for a reason there, Jim, so you could talk.
Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Matt. Matt, were you you were done with your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I was totally done. And, and I'd just like to, uh, what Jim was saying with the neighbor is establishing the neighbor is not based on me. Um, the neighbor is already determined by the God who created me in love and the person in front of me. And so when I uh, ask the question, well, who is my neighbor? Then I'm already telling God, that's cool that you've called me to love, but I'm determining right now how I'm going to do that. So that's just something to ask. Like when we, questions are good because I'm a questioner, but sometimes we ask questions to deflect. And so sometimes we need, and it's honesty, honesty with God, honesty with self. So thanks Jim for just reminding us of that. Thank you so much, Jim and Matt. Um, I think that this is a, a really great question as well. You know, I appreciated how you started us out, Matt, and then the story, um, the Good Samaritan, the putting ourselves in the position um, of, of loving our neighbors, knowing our neighbors, who is our neighbor, we ask the question, and, and God's already put the person in front of us. For me, I want to kind of go back uh, just a minute for to last week when we talked about um, the relationship building in Jesus through faith, some you know shared faith experiences. I shared some of my own and what I found helpful for me. And as I pondered the conversation over the week, and I am a contemplative, I am a thinker. Um, my Bible reading and reflecting um, took me to a Lectio Divina or a divine reading from Acts 9, 1 to 20. And in this particular passage, Paul is, or Saul rather, is spewing out his murderous threats against Jesus' disciples. Jesus' blinding light, you might recall, on the Damascus road shines on Saul such that he is blinded for three days. But in that context, um, Saul hears, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. So for three days, Jesus, I mean, Saul is trapped kind of within himself and blinded, so to, well, he is blinded so that Jesus, in my mind, can truly open his eyes to the truth about who he is. But as this passage progresses, I'm struck by what happened between the Lord Ananias and Saul. If you'll recall, Jesus tells Ananias to go to this man, Saul, lay hands on him to remove the scales and cause the Holy Spirit to awaken in him and be alive in him. For Ananias, this is Saul of all people, this murderous persecutor of the people of the way. And Ananias questions, Clearly, Jesus doesn't need Ananias to lay hands on Saul or to remove those scales or to fill him with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can do that all by himself. Why then? And I found myself thinking that it's the shared faith experience that mattered. Ananias would be able to testify to the apostles of this event and bring validation and credibility to what happened to Saul even as Barnabas would be used as that advocate for Saul, Paul, to get his feet in the door with the apostles, as it were. This caused me 
to reflect more deeply on the importance of my own shared faith experiences in encouragement and in advocacy. Gloria, no, I mean, Gloria, God knows that Gloria and I and Robert have many of these together. And it was also in this context, a good exercise for me to write down some of them. In this particular case, Ananias' neighbor is gonna be Saul slash Paul. And Ananias was called to a deeper faith, a deeper faith in who our God is and what God was asking about him, asking him to do. He even had to change how he thought about Saul. So in terms of this question about what hinders me from voicing or for being a part of these shared faith experiences, I think that I'm hindered if I don't participate in the opportunities that are before me. Clearly, they're often in the context of serving in the church and our life groups and our other places and communities where God has called me to be and has stretched me there. Sometimes I'm hindered by the fear, my own fear. Matt was talking about this internal, you know, we have the enemy, which is Satan, that certainly gets in the way and our biggest hindrance can often be ourselves. And I can be hindered by fear or by lack of invitation. I didn't get an invitation to participate, therefore I don't even ask. I think a biggie which hinders um, shared faith experiences in these days is the polarization and disunity all around us. I have found myself seeing and feeling this magnitude of separation on occasion in the church when it seems like the ability to engage together, work together is so hard. Yet on the other hand, there is such an incredible beauty when there is a mutual willingness to step into a conversation in humility and teachable spirit and desire to grow together. And I think that that's what Matt was talking about um, in his own experiences of being willing to be in community being willing to have my own blind spots pointed out to me. I know that um, I'm also hindered if I don't spend time in reflection with the Lord and about what he is doing, how he is moving. And even if I don't pay attention to, or even ask him about the dots of discernment that I see. And sometimes I see things in dots, you know, I say, Oh, there's, there's a dot, God is doing something here, and then there might be another dot. Um, but being able to go to him on a regular basis. And there is a few people that I get to do this with on a pretty regular basis, and it is an incredible opportunity of a shared faith experience together. That's one of the reasons I like serving on teams where the opportunities seem to manifest with greater frequency. And even, you know, just to bring it into now, even being on this, this clubhouse team, as it were, this community of all of us, of Sarah and Melba and Tracy and Pamela and Siesta and LaShawn and Kathy, who joined us this morning, 
is a shared faith experience and we are being changed together through our conversations. And I'm glad I was willing to step out and participate. Otherwise, I surely would have missed out on building the relational bridges in Jesus, growing and being a part of this particular experience with all of us here week after week. And with that, I, I release my mic um, to Gloria or Robert or Kayla. Hey, C Cookie, can I make just a really quick response to, um, I, glad, I love that you brought that up, you know, just the whole faith experience. You know, the other, actually there's three people, right? There's three, I mean, you brought up Ananias um, and, and Saul, but um, you know, I was, I was looking at that a couple of weeks ago too. There's a third, it's Judas, because and, um, uh, Saul went to Judas's house and he was there for quite a few days. And it, and, and I'm, I'm sure, um, even, even Judas, I mean, to see, to see Saul show up at your front door, I mean, that's just like, whoa. But I think, you know, we see in, in little snippets that even, um, Judas participated in the shared faith experience because, um, I think he showed hospitality. I think he, 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 he tried to feed Saul because it says that Saul would not eat. So I, I, I'm thinking that, you know, Judas was, you know, sharing, you know, trying to share a meal, but I can't help but to think that maybe Judas was, was answering some of the questions that Saul had about who Jesus was. Um, I wonder if maybe even um, Judas was praying when it says that Saul was praying that maybe even Judas was with them. But I, you know, and I think that when we have these shared, you know, faith experiences, everybody's, everybody's part is important in the shared faith experiences. Even though we only hear a very small snippet, we only hear about Judas's life, but he was part of that shared faith experience. He was the house that Ananias was to go to. And so, I mean, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Cookie, because I think uh, we just need to realize we might, we might be part of that shared faith experience. We might think, wow, what part do I have? I don't see myself making a big impact. I don't see me being like Ananias, but um, I think Judas had a big impact in preparing the way. And so these shared faith experiences, um, whether our experiences are big experiences in our eyes or small experiences in our eyes, um, God is causing all things to work together for good. So I just wanted to just add that really quickly. Amen. Well said. Well, I can go next and um, thank you all for who have shared so far. This has been profound and I feel blessed by the sharings. Um, I listened to last week's Clubhouse a couple of times because I thought it was so profound. And um, Jim, I, I listened and heard the second question and thought, oh, we never answered the second question. So I'm glad it was posed this week. Um, what hinders us from voicing our shared faith experiences. And so I'm going to take this in a bit different way. Um, when I thought about the hinders, I thought about it as being and, and why I and probably others um, sometimes do not share our faith experiences, um, our voicing it, is a result of disbelief, doubt, and desensitization. Because when um, we've shared faith experiences and others, and when situations happen that are related, whether it's to the disability community or to the African-American community, um, during those moments, there, is, um, there, is, there could be the sensitivity. Um, but what happens is that that may be a moment 
a moment in time and not something that is long lasting. And I think what we need to do is to tear down those walls of disbelieving the other, um, being doubtful of the other and becoming desensitized to the other after the sensationalism of the moment is over. And it brought me uh, to Job, and um, I was looking at one of the interpretations of that scripture where, you know, Job's three friends, and we all know the story very well. Um, but one of the things that I think is so important about that, that I think it's lost, is that at first, at first, um, they sit with Job for seven days, and they um, weep out loud, they um, tear off their robes, they sprinkle dust on their head. Um, and it's after those seven days, after they've, you know, um, been uh, sensitized to it, they believed it, um, they, you know, they were with him in his pain, then they turn. And, um, and so then their speeches are ones that are um, tearing him down and not believing. And so, you know, that happens over and over and over again, you know, whether it's um, something as horrific as, um, as George Floyd's death, you know, then afterwards it's debated after the time period where we've been um, gone through the pain. And so, you know, I think that, as I said before, I think that it's really critical of us um, to be, as we share our stories and the others listen to our stories and we share our hearts and the others listen to the, our hearts, is not to lose that momentum, not to lose that moment and not to move into a place of becoming uh, paralyzed to the fact that it happens over and over again, but to recognize that that pain that's being shared is real. And um, to honor it and respect it. You know, I was thinking about, again, my daughter who was staying with me um, right after the George Floyd uh, situation. And she was on Zoom calls uh, back uh, to Washington State with her work um, colleagues. And there was a lot of conversations about that. And she was explaining the African-American history. She was explaining the pain. And afterwards, we would have conversations. And the conversations were around this very thing. Um, how long do you think um, people are going to pay attention to this? When do you think that um, there will be a lessening of interest in um, wanting to act and wanting to be a part of building relationships and, and moving towards uh, loving the other. And so, um, you know, that's to me is the critical element in um, hindering us from voicing our shared faith experiences. And with that, I will relinquish the mic to either Robert or Kayla. Why don't you go ahead, Kayla? Um, yeah, I think that something also that can hinder us from our shared faith experience that we sometimes don't really acknowledge or not acknowledge enough is 
Satan, spiritual warfare. Uh, he likes to get in our heads and tear us apart uh, individually and collectively. He'll he'll try to get in between, you know, relationships, friendships. Um, you know, uh, we are created to be in relationship with one another, and he does not like that. Um, there's a lot of different verses throughout the Bible that communicate we strengthen each other, right? Iron sharpens iron. Um, being in relationship with one another actually strengthens our faith. Uh, so he's going to get in our heads and tear us down in any way that he can to discourage us from having shared faith experiences, from living life, doing life with one another, uh, and learning from each other, teaching each other, growing together uh, in in our faith uh, with Jesus. So I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest things uh, is just Satan's voice. He'll tear us down. He'll make us, you know, less confident. He'll say, well, what you, you don't have to offer anything. You don't have anything to offer. Uh, you know, they, you don't have anything good to say. You're not going to sound smart. You're not going to, and he'll get in our heads and he'll tear us down. Uh, and so, and I think rather than getting discouraged, uh, stepping into that and acknowledging, hey, actually, spiritual warfare is a good thing. It means that we're we're doing good things for the kingdom um, and pressing back and saying, you know, Satan, get out of here. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not listening to your voice and and I'm going to listen and I'm going to press into Jesus and I'm going to press into my neighbor. I'm going to continue learning how to love and see myself from Jesus's perspective uh, so that I can better love the other. Um, and I think that when we, you know, continue to acknowledge that and continue to press into Jesus, uh, the, the harder that Satan's going to press into us, but the more that we get to step into those shared faith experiences and, and grow. And then we do have experiences uh, like Judas, like Saul, uh, transforming into Paul, right? Where we get to welcome people into our house and we get to do life with them and uh, share how Jesus has worked in our life. And, and they can share, you know, things that they see in us or how Jesus has worked in their life. And that's how we continually grow. So I really appreciated all the sharing um, so far. And I look forward to what you have to say, Robert, and I yield the mic. Thank you, Kayla. I, I like um, I like your honesty and the fact that you you and courage. That you're not afraid to say you know Satan's gets in the way and uh, messes up you know our mind and our our heart and our and puts doubt and discouragement into uh, our ability to share shared faith experience. I think that's very very true. Um, I got a couple of uh, things that I think um, limit uh, the sharing our of our faith experiences, and um, one is a, a personal um, life experience, and um, and it may be it may be new to some of you, and and then it may be old hat, but um, I I think. Um, what hinders us often is um, the nature of our community, um, and um, and I use um, 
I use as an example uh, my uh, 37 years in the fire service, local fire service. Everybody wants, almost everybody wants to be a firefighter and all of that. And, you know, they're the good guys. And, you know, they, we kind of bask in that kind of halo of, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, behavior. Um, but, um, but for forever and up until, you know, um, the 1970s, um, the fire service was uh, white male only. And uh, for, for the moment, the hindrance I'm going to talk about here is the lack of diversity. And I'm going to talk about women. Uh, not being um, not being allowed to be on the team, not be allowed to um, contribute, and um, and so <clears throat> it was um, a change in that policy and that behavior started around the seventies, nineteen seventies, and I was a part of that. Uh, changed experience. And um, initially, I was not all that um, much in favor of, uh, of women firefighters. However, um, once I got to know um, the value of women, uh, and later on, when I was even a leader uh, of two different fire departments, I would say to the doubters or the ones that would say this is not right, um, that the presence of women on our team will actually make our team and our service to the community stronger, better, and without them, we cannot grow to our full potential. And that that was often met with, oh, come on, chief, you, you know, that's not right. You know, I'm stronger, I'm bigger, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. <clears throat> but it proved to be true. It really proved to be true. And with a woman on the uh, response team, there were things that we brought to the community that men alone could not bring. Um, and I could go on about that, but it, the, that's the truth. It just was the truth. So I think um, our community, as our community is diverse, it becomes stronger. And, and without that, it's a hindrance. The other one uh, that I think is a hindrance um, to sharing our, our, um, our faith experiences is the emotional energy of some topics. And um, if a topic brings frustration or passion or conviction or anger or sorrow even, it, um, it, it hinders, it can hinder, we, let's go back to the Satan. We can allow that to hinder the sharing of our our life experiences, and so I and I have experienced this 
over and over whenever we um, we kind of step out and and invite people to a discussion on hard topics, and um, and <clears throat> many times because of the high emotion, people will say, you know, this is this is not fun, so I'm not going to do it. Or this is too hard, so I'm not going to do it. Um, or it's divisive, that which is really a, a big one. It's divisive to discuss this, so I'm not going to do it. And I think those are real hindrances to it. And so with, a, with that too, I'll, uh, I'll yield the mic. Thank you for that, Robert. Um, appreciate that. I'm wondering um, if somebody from the audience would like to speak, Sarah, Melba, Tracy, Pamela, or Glenda, it's good to see you all here. Do you have something you'd like to share? And in the meantime, um, what about anybody on the platform have something that they'd like to share? Melba, good to see you up here. Mike is yours for a moment. Hi. Hi, it's working today. <laughs> We're glad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want me to speak yes, now? Yes, we'd love to hear your thoughts, Melba. Oh, I think that one thing that hinders um, us from sharing our faith, not all of us, obviously, but I think a large part of um, the Christian community. Um, there was a time, I and I know that some of you all remember, where people would go out door to door and share their faith and, and do things that, um, efforts that um, would cause people well, to try to get people to come to the faith in Jesus Christ. And I think one of the big things that hinders people now is people don't know how to witness anymore. And that some of our own feelings and our ideas in our mind, and Satan certainly does plant a lot of those ideas, well, they're going to think you're crazy for going to their door or approaching them. Not in, in, It's not even always door to door, um, approaching them and talking to them about Jesus Christ. What if they go off on you or, you know, and all kinds of things. But I think that one of the big things is people don't know how to witness and, the other thing is that um, I, in the, in the last several years, I have not seen a whole lot of effort in equipping the people to, to share the faith because one of the things that has to happen is the person has to be equipped to share the faith. And some people don't know enough of their Bible, don't know, you know, or, or, you know, there's a number of things. Um, the lack of zeal is not there. And then I think the message has gotten convoluted because the biggest thing that we should be doing, and I share this with a lot of people, the biggest thing that we should be doing in a faith community is the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
Now, obviously, every one of us can't go, you know, um, to overseas and in different places, you know, different countries. But we can do what we can do here. And I don't see a lot of effort in that doing that. And that's sad because the only people I see going out is Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. And every once in a while, I'll see, you know, some of the other mainstream Christian organizations come out, but not very often. And I think that we need to be revived and uh, picked up that zeal and understand that that's the last message that Jesus gave us to go be there for and teach all nations and become equipped and and not let, and focus in on what he wants us to focus in on. And, you know, we've got a lot of this problem, your best self, everything is about you, 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 do this, do that, live your best life and all this. And I know that God wants us to live our best life, but at the end of the day, the Great Commission is the biggest thing, the most important thing that we um, should be doing. He said that uh, this gospel shall be preached to all nations, and then the end shall come. And so we have to be um, have our heart, and we have to intentionally seek to go and share our faith. Um, those are just a few of my thoughts. That's great, Melba. Thank you for sharing that. I love the um, intentionality that you spoke about um, and how, how much so much of the focus is on us living our best lives as individuals um, and the lack of recognizing the other and being able to uh, and being equipped to be able to share our our faith um, with others. So with, with that, is anybody would like to respond? Um, oh, we, I see we have Sarah that would like to add to the conversation. Great to have you up here, Sarah. Um, I yield the, the mic to you. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so I think one of the things that hinders us from sharing our faith often is you know, right now, like we, um, we see that we are living in a very like almost sensitive society and, um, we are facing this huge, like cancel culture. And I think that is something that a lot of us are afraid of. I mean, um, I think like maybe 50 or 60, however long ago, um, you could say the wrong thing and, it's you have less of a chance that it's going to taunt you for the rest of your life. Whereas right now um, we have, you know, Instagram, we have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have social media, right? And we can um, share something on there. And if you say one wrong thing, all of a sudden you wake up and you have hundreds of DMs telling you how you are just the scum of the earth and, and all this thing and all of these things. And so I think that's a fear of most is, you know, um, uh, scared to say the wrong thing. I think, you know, Titus 2.10 says that we're called to make the teachings of Jesus Christ attractive. And so 
um, trying to spread the truth without, you know, dimming it or, or distorting it. Um, it's hard because you want to you want to deliver it to where non-believers and Christians um, receive it like graciously, and you want your words to be grace filled. And so I think that's hard because kind of piggybacking off of what uh, Kayla said is, you know, Satan plays a huge part in that. Um, like right now, right? Like I'm super nervous up here talking and I feel like a lot of it is spiritual warfare because I, I experience what Kayla talks about often where it's like Satan comes in. He's like, no, you don't have anything to offer. You're not smart enough to share. You don't have anything to say. And so I think that's a huge part, but also just cancel culture as a whole. Um, and yes, Jesus tells us, hey, if the world hates you, just know that it hated me first. But that's kind of hard. Like as a human, that's kind of hard to just wake up and be like, okay, you know, like that's fine. Like, let me just keep doing what I'm doing because the world's going to hate me. Like naturally, like as humans, we desire to feel loved and we desire to um, not be hated. Right. And so I think that is something that hinders a lot of people from sharing their faith. It just like the fear of saying something wrong. Um, because in this day and age, you could say one thing wrong and wake up and all of a sudden the whole world knows your face, knows your name, knows what you did. And, um, that can be kind of hard. That can be hard. Whereas, you know, years ago you could have said one wrong thing and you could have like grown from it and like healed from it, um, in peace. Whereas now like the whole world is watching because we have social media. So I'll yield the mic. Well said, Sarah. I, I like the way that you um, framed that reality of where we are today and the um, cancel culture. I think that that is a really big part of it. I know that, um, you know, I feel the same way. I can understand, you know, about being up there and feeling particularly scared. You know, you're willing to step out there and share your voice. Um, hopefully in an incredibly safe environment. And sometimes we do, and boy, it feels like the flaming arrow got us. So I appreciate you saying that. We have a few more minutes left. Um, I wonder, Robert, if you would, um, if you would kind of let us, bring us into uh, uh, telling us where we've been today, reminding us where we've been today. Um, before we do so, though, I have we have like one minute, and I'm wondering if anyone on the platform, um, uh, Kayla, I mean, yeah, Kayla, Gloria, Jim, or Matt, have anything else that they'd like to share? All righty then, Robert. I'm going to yield the mic to you and then to Gloria, who will close us in prayer. Okay, uh, well, thank you for everyone that's um, contributed. As I, as I look back over the comments, um, there's some really good one. I, you know, I, I love, the, I love the, the comment about permission that we, we, we have to have permission, or we think we have to have permission um, to enter in, and, um, and and you know, uh, Christ has God has given us permission. Um, I like uh, the fact that um, what Cookie brought out, you know, Jim brought that out. Uh, I like 
what Cookie said about uh, being blinded, uh, you know, Saul and even um, Ananias and even Judas, um, blinded so that um, we can see better. And I think God does that. Um, and that fear of uh, being blinded or, or go through that, that difficult uh, time hinders us from uh, willingly sharing. Uh, <clears throat> um, Gloria talked about talking about uh, friends and how friends uh, sometimes tear you down and um, and they they don't sometimes mean to but they tear you down and that's uh, that can paralyze us because of the pain and difficulty I thank you for that uh, <clears throat> Matt brought about uh, talked about uh, relational truth and um, the fact that um, you know it's really hard when you don't feel like you fit in and I I loved that that was very honest um, and how to really love your neighbor and how how that is just a hard hard hurdle to go over um, Kayla you know Satan gets in the way and um, and <clears throat> that can make it very difficult to share. Um, however, you know, we do have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome Satan. Um, thank you, Melba, for sharing on the, um, on the fact that, you know, we really need to look at uh, our commission to share uh, the good news, uh, the Great Commission, as we call it. And I, I just read something um, yesterday and again today that on um, you know, knowledge that is not shared dies. And I thought, you know, that really applies to our faith experience stories. Uh, faith uh, experiences that are not shared can die, can just be mute. And so, um, you know, you know, thank you for, for sharing that. And Sarah, um, it is so, so true that the council, cancel culture and uh, the fear of being critiqued uh, can, can paralyze us uh, completely. Or, or even flee from it. Um, and so thank you for bringing that out. This, I, I believe by looking at what hinders us, coupled with what is helpful in sharing of our shared spiritual experiences will motivate us. Um, because uh, looking at both sides of the coin is powerful and i yield to gloria thank you bob thank you very much for uh just reflecting on everything that's been shared uh this morning and as i pray i want to lift up to our lord sean Lashawn, siesta tracy kathy denise pamela glinda 
Sarah, Melba, Jim, Matt, Kayla, Robert, and Cookie to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, God, for all of us that have shared in this room. We thank you, Lord, that you will release from us the fear of anxiety and allow us, Lord, to speak as we just pray into and live into loving thy neighbor as thyself. We thank you, God, that as collective voices, we can come to you and know that you hear us, Lord. When one or more are gathered, you're in the midst, and we know that you are in the midst of this conversation today. Lord, help us to be weary and also alert, and Lord, to Satan, and um, Lord, his... Um, his striking at us in all kinds of ways as has been expressed today. And Lord, we know, we know, Lord, that you are with us and that you strengthen us and that we are armored up. We thank you, God, that when we come together and Lord, share our stories, share our shared faith experiences, Lord, we grow deeper and we grow deeper into the love that you have for us. We thank you for the opportunity to come together. We ask that as we go out, you bless each and every one of us, Lord, and we just praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Gloria. Yep. Thank, Thank you, you for every person that has been here with us today and who has shared your voices matter. Um, and we look forward to seeing everybody again back here next Tuesday morning at 8.30 a.m. for another edition of New Wine, New Wine Skins on Clubhouse. Blessings to all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. And I'm going to close the room in three, two, one. Bye now. <laughs>